Welcome to episode 181 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Joel Pinfield is currently on paternity leave. Uh, they haven't had the kid yet, as far as I know, but we're letting him take a little bit of break while they are preparing. So you've got me for the next little bit of while. Don't worry, I'm not by myself. We will continue to have guests on to help fill the time so you don't have to just listen to me ramble and rant. We've got two guests today to help preview a big weekend of Oklahoma State versus West Virginia that's both in football and in football, soccer. Bart Keeler from Smoking Musket going to join us. We're going to talk about this Saturday's game between Oklahoma State and West Virginia on the gridiron. And then Anna Beffer, color commentator for the Oklahoma State soccer team, going to join us to talk a little cowgirl soccer the season thus far. This Friday's big matchup between the Cowgirls and the Lady Mountaineers, I guess, and looking at the season moving forward. Two fantastic interviews, really a great time. Love talking to Bart, love talking to Anna. It's longer interviews, it's a good long podcast. Uh, so here's what we're going to do we're going to take a little break here, real quick, get a little ad read in, and then we're going to hop straight into it. All right, so it's time to talk a little West Virginia. Obviously, that is the opponent of the week. Mountaineers coming to Stillwater this weekend for a 2.30 showdown. Joining me today, Bart Keeler from the Smoking Musket. My good friend, Bart, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me again. Uh, so just so everyone is clear, because this seems to happen since I host two different podcasts. Uh, this is the OSU pod, not the Big 12 pod. Uh, Gerald ran into that mistake uh, at one point, and I think I don't know how far we got in the pod before he realized it. So I just want to make sure that everyone's clear. It gets confusing when I when I cross content like cross the streams and guests between shows, where they're like, "Wait, where am I?" And, and then I have to, you know, it's it's like waking up in the middle of the night and you think there's something. What? No, no, no. It's cool. You're on the OSU pod today. Um, you can just focus on one thing. Well, I mean, I think we'll talk a little bit about the Big 12 as a whole, because unfortunately for Oklahoma State and as a West Virginia fan prepare for Oklahoma State, there's a trend that y'all followed uh, that somehow we avoided, but a Big 12 trend that you all decided to catch on. Is it the uh, poor showing in a season opener? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> however, if I might, and look, the offensive line concerns are legitimate concerns and red flags that are not just going to go away. Uh, the quarter offensive situation when your starting quarterback essentially gets hurt on the first drive and you put in a guy, and I feel bad because I feel like I'm being way too hard on Bullock, but a guy who is essentially inaccurate, immobile, uh, and has no spatial awareness to the point that by the time he realizes a defender is on him, there's no way he's going to run away from him. Um, I don't know. Plus, you have a suspect offensive line. There's no way your offense is going to do anything. I don't care who you are or what defense you're facing. So uh, I, I'm going to hold, reserve my concerns until we see how this thing goes for the next few weeks. And I also believe that the Oklahoma State defense is good enough to keep them in every game and probably win them a few. They might probably shouldn't just because we actually have a good defense this year. So um, that said, it doesn't mean that I am not concerned about this game this weekend. Uh, when the schedule was initially announced, I was like, oh, good. We get West Virginia at home. And then well, I say we, Oklahoma State gets West Virginia at home. I always hate people to be like, I'm not part of the team. You're just a guy who talks about it we. for fun. <laughs> I know, but it's so it's, it's like, it's not even like lowercase J journal. It's like three-year-old trying to learn how to write a J case journalism. Um, but you know, fast forward to West Virginia putting up a ton of points on Eastern Kentucky and going, okay, well, maybe we got something here to this past weekend and going, 
All right. Well, people keep talking about how if Oklahoma State repeats that performance, they're going to lose to West Virginia, which is accurate. I don't think they're going to repeat that performance, but we can talk about that in a minute. So let's start with some West Virginia. Uh, they have played their non-conference uh, previously, back in the original you know, week one of the uh, new schedule, put up 56 points on an Eastern Kentucky team that's not very good. Let's just let's be blunt. They're not. Um, so I, I, the big thing, it's the same thing problem I have with Texas and with Oklahoma. Um, I'm not going, West Virginia looked as good against their opponent as Texas looked against UTEP and Oklahoma looked against Missouri State. So I'm not, but I don't think West Virginia is as good as Oklahoma or Texas this year. Maybe they are. Maybe they'll surprise us all. And Neil Brown has pulled a just masterful coaching job in year two and turned this team around far faster than anybody thought. But realistically, from that game, what are some real takeaways we can have from it? So I think the biggest takeaway and like literally the opening drive I'm watching this and I go oh this is a different team than last year because we were able to run the ball effectively it was a refreshing look now again Eastern Kentucky we're not quite sure how good they are but we were able to get hat on hat and make massive holes for Letty Brown and Alex and Phil to run through and that was not happening at all last year uh, and that was a pain point that Neil Brown talked about and we in our musket chat, you know, it was just every day, like, holy crap, why can we not run this ball? Like, it was so infuriating because we knew we had talented running backs. Um, and when they got into the open field, when you got past the line of scrimmage, you were seeing big runs. But this year, the biggest difference from 2019 to 2020 is just the ability for the offensive line to open up a hole for our running backs and multiple games of 10 plus yards, which in the Big 12 is how you win. You win by getting big chunks of yardage because you have to take advantage of defenses that are somewhat um, porous at times. Um, and, and I don't think that'll be the case against Oklahoma State, but I think if you're able to open up a hole or two, you will see West Virginia's running backs, the two or three that we'll be using, go for 20-plus yard runs. Yeah, so Letty Brown, 10 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Alex Sinkfield, 15 carries for 123 yards, two touchdowns. And Tony Mathis Jr., 18 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. So it was a good day on the ground for West Virginia. Put up 329 yards there uh, and five touchdowns, five of the, I don't know, I'm not good with 56 divided by seven, so let's just, someone else can handle that. Five of we the scored eight. a few touchdowns. <laughs> a few, one or two. Yeah, eight. Uh, yeah, there you go. West, uh, the, I think you had 10 different players catch a pass. Um, that's that's always nice to see. It's also something you tend to see unless it's a team that just – is that a thing? Is that actually West Virginia is going to have that kind of depth at wide receiver this year? Or is this – you played an FCS squad, so lots of guys got yeah. shots at catching a ball. No, I think this is um, more of a, a, a tell for the rest of the season. I don't think we have one wide receiver who is absolutely the star. We don't have a Tylen Wallace, um, but we, we do have a good group of three to four guys who will – be very effective and in fact one of those wasn't even playing he was suspended for reasons <laughs> um for that game that was tj simmons the alabama transfer um and, and he'll factor in starting this upcoming week their suspension was only for the game um against eastern kentucky super of course it know, was hardcore punishment there yeah <laughs> um but he'll factor in too we had i mean i think the two that made probably the biggest impact um, to me from last season, this this season, the two Sam, Sam James, Sam Brown, I think they will be very effective going forward. Um, I think the rest of the guys who caught balls 
um, we're, we'll probably factor in. I think that's something that West Virginia definitely has. I don't want to say that we're like, we're very deep. I don't think there's a, a, a certain run, a certain wide receiver who to me is the star receiver, but we're going to have four to five guys who are able to make good, consistent plays in the past game. And I think that's a real strength of the team that we knew we were going to have coming into the season, but it was kind of nice to like see that validated even against Eastern Kentucky. But, you know, you had multiple guys catching multiple passes for a good chunk of yard. So that was a, a very refreshing take as well, just to like, you don't know what's going to happen the first game, especially in what was week I don't, two of what seemed like a forever off season. And it <laughs> it was nice to just see the guys go out there and like perform the way you expected them to perform. Does that make sense? Like, it's yeah, weird. No, it does. No, no, no. It, 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 it absolutely does. Well, and so, so basically if I was to describe the West Virginia receiving court would be, there's no, the top end isn't as, is on par with other teams. There's no Tylen Wallace, as you mentioned, there's no Charlton Ram or whatever you want to do for OU. I, I don't really know who the top guy is there. I haven't paid that close attention. I know that sounds really bad, but come on. Um, but you would say that maybe the top's not as good, but the depth of it is, is is there and so there's it's more dangerous yeah. because there are different options not necessarily one guy you have to try and lock down but can't yeah and and i think it's also good because you're going to see some packages where not all of them are going to be on the field so you know you're going to be able to rotate guys in and out where i mean obviously you know uh as a falcons fan <laughs> As a Falcons, Atlanta Falcons fans, you're used to having Julio Jones be on the field every single, yeah, uh, be on the field every single play that he's healthy, right? Like that's, uh, he comes off on occasion if it's just not the package for him. But I think that's something that, you know, like if you are used to having a team that has that one star receiver, he's on the field all the time. I think that's another strength that you have, have when you have four or five guys who can be on the field and play multiple receiving positions. Um, you're going to be fresh. You're going to, you know, you're not going to worry about a drop off in his uh, agility or his burst of speed off the line because they should be fresh the whole game. So, yeah, I think that if I were to give our best receiver like a name, it would probably, uh, I don't know. I, I like Sam James the best. I think he's the one who to me is got, he has the most upside. Um, He's a, sophomore so looking at the future probably the guy who's going to be known at West Virginia for a couple years to come but top to bottom it's just a really just solid core group of guys okay so let's talk about what all the offense goes through Mitch quarterback um Jarrett Daigie uh, teach me how to Daigie I'm gonna I'm dropping that joke because we <laughs> joked about this before we started recording of with what's the one line because every there's always that one little fact or joke that every announcer likes to use every time you watch a game, which is supposed to be like for the national audience. But if your fan base is watching it every week, you're like, we get it. We know he has a mullet. We are aware of this fact. We don't need a picture of all of you with a mullet on. It's not that funny by game four. Uh, so I assume teach me how to Daigie will be the run in joke that they will use because they'll make some old school reference with that, that I don't think Jared Daigie even will understand. Um, so Jared Daigie, he's the starting quarterback. Nine from nineteen to twenty-five, two hundred twenty-eight yards, three TDs. Again, Eastern Kentucky, but the team was seemed to be better last year underneath him when he took over in the back half of the season. We've had one game under his belt. My big thing for him is I've seen some varying opinions on Daggy for the guys who've broken down his tape. Um, is it fair to state that the 
team's turnaround and the offensive turnaround last season was because of Daigie or that lots of other things occurred and he simultaneously came in. And so he might be getting more credit than he is due. So I'm going to give most of the credit to Daigie for one big reason. And it was just that he seemed so much more in control and in charge with his teammates around him compared to what Austin Kendall looked last year. Um, And you even saw that in the game against Eastern Kentucky where, I mean, look, we were blowing them out. Second half was, was, uh, you know, two quarters of garbage time, but you had Austin Kendall and Garrett green, the um, freshman who came in to play as well. And even green looked a lot better than Kendall. Um, So I don't want to, you know, it's an OSU pod, so we won't like worry too much about ragging on a guy who, you know, wore the crimson and cream, but it was something that like, like, it was very, very apparent that Kendall wasn't the guy and Daigie came in and he may not be the best quarterback ever. I don't think he is necessarily. He's a very good quarterback, but at that QB one position, you have to have a guy who is a good leader, but not just like a good leader off the field. Like he's on the field, his teammates look at him and know that he's going to deliver and he it just has that about him that has made a big difference now also toward the second half of last season you saw neil brown figure out what he really truly had to work with and that was obviously a good like helping it helped daggy be more comfortable i think because brown was more comfortable calling his offense um obviously first year coach last year coming into a roster that he didn't build he had to figure out what he had and what he didn't have but I think Daigie was really a big part of that turnaround um, because of just his ability to seem like he was the guy in charge. Sometimes confidence is key. He also was just, oh my gosh, he's just such a more accurate passer than Kendall was. And that had a lot to do with it as well. Yes. Accuracy, uh, kind of an important trait when you have a quarterback, you want a guy to actually be able to hit his targets and assume that the targets will then proceed to catch the ball. Um, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Um, okay. <laughs> so the West Virginia offense seemed much better at the start of the season than we saw last year. You would assume, I like Neil Brown. I think he was a great hire, absolute touchdown hire for them. And I do think he'll get things going at West Virginia fairly quickly. Um, this is year two for them. You would expect the offense to take a step forward. It was a nice showing against uh, – it's what you want against a team like Eastern Kentucky. You don't want to pull a Texas Tech and struggle against a Houston Baptist. You want to come out and you want to curb stomp a bad FCS team. And that's what they did. So from that standpoint, I don't want to uh, – you know, we were going to dog the off the, the opponent here, but they did what they were supposed to do and what you want to see a good team do. So from that standpoint, we should assume West Virginia has taken maybe a step forward from last year when they – got better and better and better. Maybe this is the next step. Um, but I want to talk about the defense because defense to me is, I, I'm having a hard time, even with West Virginia putting up 56 points on Eastern Kentucky and how poor Oklahoma State's offense looked like on Saturday, seeing this being a Oklahoma State-West Virginia game of of old uh, when old uh, Hoagie was in town and you were just watching points after points after points after points after points. I get a weird feeling Saturday is a game where I don't know what the line is at this point. I might want to look at taking the under Um, because I think this is going to be two solid defenses who are going to really show up. When it comes, starts with the West Virginia defense, it's obviously the Stills brothers, uh, Dante and Davis. My gosh, I'm sorry. Darius. 
Darius, thank you. Darius. So what happens when you record at 9.30 yep. on a Monday night? Um, you forget <laughs> first names of opponents' defensive star players. Like, I know it's the Stills brother. It happens. Um, thank you. Hey, I can say Ogbong Omega, so I don't want to hear anything. Um, so Dante and Darius, obviously these are the studs of the defense. But they're not the only ones. So who are the other guys on this West Virginia defense who yep. – are the guys that should be getting credit as well that we should be paying attention to on Saturday. Yeah. I think that's um, similar to the wide receiving core, our defensive back court. You're not going to have one guy who like stands out as the best player on the field necessarily, but there's a lot of good guys who can run back there in the defensive backfield who are good playmakers. Um, I mean, the guy who kind of showed out in the first game, Alonzo Adai, who's um uh, I think a nephew of our uh, defensive back coach, uh, Jaleel Adai. I think that's the relation. Um, he had four or three solo tackles. He got a lot of, uh, I think he, yeah, he's the one who got the interception. Um, we had four total sacks and uh, trying to think the Sills brothers were not involved with all of them. So, I mean, yeah, like it was a weird game to watch and because uh, it, it was so the defense looked hungry to make plays on the ball and the defensive backs, Adai, uh, Vandarius uh, Cowan, who was also a troublemaker during the game. Um, I think that all in all, every defensive player we had was looking to make a play. I don't think that this defense is going to be one that you can rely on to keep a, an opponent like, I think we'll keep most opponents under 30 this year, just because I do think that maybe offensively, this will be somewhat of a weird year. I don't know how the offense, I think for some reason in this COVID year, the offense may be slightly weird if for, uh, for certain offenses, I don't think Oklahoma state uh, is a great example, but I think that some offenses who may not have been actually Oklahoma state's a perfect example of an offense that didn't have a lot of time, a lot of continuity, if you will. And I think that if you look at the way that they played, it was very apparent that as soon as Sanders went down, they had no idea what to do for a time being. I think that a lot of offenses in the Big 12 are going to have similar issues because there's not a whole lot of returning starting quarterbacks that you would expect at the big time level. Um, So I think from a defensive point, being able to capitalize on mistakes, West Virginia will cause a lot of turnovers. I don't think we're going to be like, this team that's going to hold a lot of teams under like 200, 300 yards, uh, you know, offense, it's not going to happen, but we will force a lot of turnovers. We will probably get a lot of big plays on like third and fourth down drives. And I think that's kind of where I see this defense going this year is just a big play defense. Okay. Just wanted to check my stuff. Uh, the current line is at uh, anywhere between 52 and a half and 53. Yeah. I, I might, I might stick with that under that. That's, this weekend, it just feels like it's going to be an odd game. Um, okay, so I'm I'm, I'm curious. Um, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? What is your your gut feeling? Um, what was your gut feeling when this game was announced? When it was announced, like on the schedule, and how yeah. are you feeling now compared to that? Yeah, so I think um, I remember coming on with you. I think probably in the one of the off season, the again the never ending off season that we had, and I keep always wanting to point out that like no one wants to count on Oklahoma State, but they're always just a very usually a good football team. But that was also assuming that 
the starting quarterback was who it was going to be. And now I haven't heard a report. So I'm like, it's Monday. The game was Saturday. Uh, West Virginia is in that weird lull too, where um, Neil Brown talks to the team or talks to the press on Tuesday. So like, we think we're all healthy, but you know, I don't know what Gundy's going to do at the quarterback position. I, I, what I think he should do um, would make more sense, you know, to me, if you're trying to start, uh, if, if Sanders is out, I think Illingworth is your guy. Am I wrong there? Like that's, that was the obvious take from your game against Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's locked down the back of the spot. <laughs> Look, look, we can we can make jokes about Gunny's inability to pick a backup quarterback all day. Like after what we saw on Saturday. Yeah. Yes. If if Spencer Sanders isn't going, Shane Ellingworth is going to be the guy. Like, sorry, there's there's no way you're putting it. Yeah, and so like we don't know fully his health. Like, I think that's a legitimate thing. Last we heard today, so we the best we know is that it was some sort of like a high ankle sprain, an ankle sprain. That that's that's the best we know. Those are the kinds of things I think that's what Christian McCaffrey has been diagnosed with, and he's going to be out four to six weeks. Gundy says it's, it wasn't a uh, severe injury. Yeah. So he's supposed to wear a boot to till two. was supposed to wear a boot till Tuesday, and then be out of it by Wednesday, maybe. My guess is, uh, if you want my honest opinion, I think Yelling Works is going to be the starter on Saturday. And, and so, like, that's my legitimate thing is uh, they could pull – you see this in the NFL all the time, right? Like, the quarterback isn't going to play. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is the king of this, of not practicing all week to be able to play on, on Sunday. So if that's what they can do with Sanders, maybe, well, but, but that takes away that. And you this is a normal season. Well, this isn't a normal yeah. season. You haven't had all, all, you didn't have spring and all summer and all the fall to get ready. Yeah. And I think that stuff matters this year because it, you, it's not as easy to just plop it. The reason that Illingworth was not the backup and that they went with Bullock is Illingworth missed two weeks due to contract tracing. Um, he had missed two weeks of practice and people are like, that shouldn't yep. matter. He's I saw somebody like, he's been here since January. And I'm like, this is not a normal off season. You cannot yep. compare this year and how you handle things to a normal season. You have to understand the fact that we don't know part of the offensive line issue could be, and we have no idea that ha- the offensive line had starting five had not practiced altogether more than a couple of times. They, you don't know how many people have missed what for contact tracing. They may put numbers out as far as positive, tests but you're not telling you who's being held out for a week or two because of contract tracing so all that stuff goes into these things and and is causing different things so you we can't and it's hard to do it's so hard as fans to not just watch football feel it normal and be like well this is but you can't do that so i i think if unless spencer is at least 90% and it's an ankle issue. Like his big deal is his mobility. Like that's a kind of injury where if you're not ready to go, it could get worse. I, I think Illingworth showed he was solid in that third, fourth quarter. Give him a full week of of, of reps Mm -hmm. at the number one spot and let him go out there because I just, I think that's your best bet. I do. And I don't mean this is a slide at West Virginia, but if ever there's a, if there's a two game stretch on Oklahoma state schedule to let Illingworth play and let Spencer take time to get healthy, it's West Virginia home and at Kansas. Well, but that's, that's kind of where I want to get to is that I think that Oklahoma state top to bottom for me, both, both sides of the ball should be better than Virginia. Like you look at what Oklahoma, how they've improved defensively. I mean, yeah, the offense struggled against Tulsa the defense gave up seven, seven, 
points. Yeah, seven points. Sorry, I'm like, wait, what's the score? Which which uh, Big Twelve team struggled, and how how did they struggle? But you know, the the struggles for Oklahoma State were logical because you lose a quarterback. The thing that we thought about Oklahoma State coming into the season was their defense should be better, should not be your typical Big Twelve defense. So that is still there, and I think that if you're West Virginia, you you hope that I mean, I hate to say this, you hope Sanders isn't your starter because I think that gives you a legitimate shot because you hope that you can you know pick off uh Ellingworth or, or disrupt his rhythm as you know a, a backup um but Sanders if he's starting if he's playing especially but if he's starting and playing the whole game I really don't think West Virginia is winning this game um I don't think we're seeing I don't think we're seeing 30 points broken in this in this game regardless I just don't think that either defense is giving that up this week I don't know if either offense is prepared to do that this week either, but West Virginia has to be ready. West Virginia has to hope that Sanders isn't able to play because if he's if if he's not playing, we have a chance to outscore Oklahoma State because it's still it's still going to be a Big Twelve football game. You're going to have to outscore your opponent. It's not you're not going to have unless West Virginia can't rely on us to hold an opponent under twenty points. It's just not the type of defense we're going to play. But if we, we get big stops, if we can turn, if we can force turnovers, uh, then West Virginia will be able to capitalize and get some extra possessions, get Daggy and our wide receivers more time to make big plays. Hopefully our run game is able to keep Oklahoma State's defense a little bit softer because I, I really think West Virginia's going to be able to break at probably two 15 yard plus runs. I really do. We, I think that's where we will see a market improvement from last year. And I think that can happen again this week, but that's not going to necessarily be enough. You still have to put it all together and be able to march down the field with the drive against this Oklahoma state defense. And I personally, I think this looks like Oklahoma state 27, West Virginia, like 21, somewhere in that range. Like it's a close yeah. game. I don't think we're seeing a shootout. I don't think either defense is like playing stellarly, but you're going to see deep, both defenses make really good plays. Uh, probably for Oklahoma State, it'll be more in. I mean, good Lord, watching y'all, watching your defensive backs break up passes was kind of like really, like I was, I was feeling the energy from that defensive backfield. Like they were just so happy and stoked to play football. Um, and, and our guys had that too, but we've had, a week off. And I think that's actually a weird um, wrinkle in this. It's, it's something that Oklahoma state legitimately can use the momentum they had, especially on defense and carry that into here where West Virginia's Neil Brown said they're basically like in a spring camp, which as you pointed out, they didn't really have that this year. So they're like in spring camp mode this past week. How do they then flip that into game week prep? We'll see. I, like I said, I think this is a lower scoring game. I think we're both seeing both defenses hold them kind of at held the offense kind of at bay. But that's the standards of starting. If Illingworth starts, I really think West Virginia can probably win this game. So that's interesting because I was wondering if having the extra week off would benefit West Virginia. I, guess I don't know. <laughs> and that's the thing I keep wondering is, is is having played a game, having already gotten that game under your belt, now you have two weeks to work on the things that you need to work on that you learned from that game. And I realize it's like, I'm sure they see a lot of the more issues, the West Virginia coaches 
in that game than we do as fans. You know, we're 56, 56, 10. Yeah, this is awesome. But like they're being, we still gave up 10 points to Eastern Kentucky. Sure. So, you know, defensively, that's a great room for improvement. (laughs) Yeah, because Marshall shut him out. So we uh, can talk about that. Never again. (laughs) (laughs) They're all about the transit of victory somehow. They've never beaten us, but they'll take a transit of victory because they somehow beat a Eastern Kentucky team, you know, worse than we did. Okay, Marshall. You know what? Have fun in hunting. But I just, I'm really, I was really curious, like, is, is two weeks to work on those things a better situation than Oklahoma State having their game and then having to quickly turn around and prepare for West Virginia? Now, uh, there's, there's not necessarily an advantage for West Virginia because you don't have, you didn't get Oklahoma State t- tape state tape until saturday and even then you most of your tape is <laughs> a quarterback that just shouldn't see the field again uh a little bit of the guy who might and even less of the guy that yeah. prob- might probably <laughs> like i don't know how much you take away from that i just i'm to me the two weeks of of working after the game might be an advantage for West Virginia compared to the one week for Oklahoma State, but I do like the idea you have of yeah. the carrying the momentum. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it from that side. It's it's weird when you haven't played for so long. I think that's the the hard part to all this. Does even though they've been in practice for um I mean God it feels like forever now. Um, being able to get out and play is what these kids want to do. I mean like that's what that is what they do they love to play football they love to and again i'm your defensive backs looked like they were having the best time of their lives playing Open on saturday and that's great to see. tackling i uh, <laughs> they're watching the safeties lock a guy up and down and open not allow open like miss open field tackles was just like uh, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what it's like when your DBs just <laughs> grab them and take hey, them down. DBU, right? Wow. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but like, so to me, I'm wondering, I'm with you in that I think that the pure momentum and joy of playing football that Oklahoma State experienced Saturday should be able to carry them through this week. But at the same token, and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, I think West Virginia's the tape they had on Oklahoma state watching what I did of that game. It seemed like the offensive play calling was fairly similar. It was just that one quarterback was able to actually play quarterback and the other wasn't. Um, sorry. I bad, no, I feel bad. Dog and I'm I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's a cool cat. And he, he did his darndest, but man, and I understand the offensive line was bad and that's not his fault, but yeesh. Yeah. No, thank you. I mean, I think, but that's the thing, right? Like an offensive line issue. Yes, there's great big leaps that you can make from week one to week two. Like that's what we always see in college football. Yeah. yeah. The old adage: your greatest improvement comes from week one to week two. But right. as you said, West Virginia has that, and like, and I know this because Neil Brown immediately after the game on September 12th was like, "Yep, this week to be camp week and then last week during his presser he's like we're basically going through like preseason camp because we missed it but also because we have the opportunity so i don't know how much of like looking at what they did wrong or right is there it's probably going to be more about reiterating what they want to do but there's obviously a whole week of time to do the things you do better and that's really all that you know a preseason camp is anyway is making sure you're doing what 
West Virginia, you know, your, your offense is going to be run the best way that you want it to run. Your defensive guys are going to be making plays the way they, the, you know, they're going to be positioned and responding and reacting the way you want them to based on your defensive philosophy. That's something that in this off week that we had, we could do plus saying, okay, this is where we messed up here. So remember when you see this instead, do this. So you have live game film from yourself that you can now scout, you know, that self scout is important. Um, but I, I, I just don't know. I really don't know which is more advantageous. It's weird. Um, it's a little bit like an NFL preseason game, but it's not because it's live action and the competition was obviously not great uh, for West Virginia, but I think that it will help. I think you'll see a more crisp um, cause we did have some defensive issues. There were some times that Eastern Kentucky players got away from our, our especially our, um, especially younger defensive backs, but it happens. So you can clean that up. Yeah. I think you'll see a much crisper West Virginia, but I just don't know if that means the improvement will be better than what Oklahoma state already has. All right. Uh, Bart. Uh, so I want to say good luck to you as a fan and to your team this weekend. I don't want you to win, but you know, I hope you guys at least look good while you're there. Uh, for everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering the Mountaineers, where can they do so, bud? Well, first, I just want to say that the lucky thing for the Big 12 this weekend is at least we can't look terrible against FCS or lower division competition. I think that's a win for the Big 12 as a whole. Uh, Baylor is playing Kansas, so there is an opportunity. Uh, (laughs) Are they playing? Baylor has had the worst luck trying to play football this year. (laughs) I'm I'm not. I'm that's that game you're looking at going that might happen. We'll we'll see if it does. I I yeah. Daily testing tells me we'll know for sure on Friday. We might not know before then. Yeah, um, that will be an interesting one to keep your eye on because even if they do play, who knows what Baylor will look like having two games that they've had to skip. But um, you can follow me personally at Bardness Prime when I'm on Twitter. You can follow us at the Smoking Musket um, at Smoking Musket on Twitter at Smoking Musket on instagram and the smoking musket on facebook um i write a weekly article for um our tailgate so you can check that out every thursday i'll I'll, i put together a tailgate menu for the weekend usually um kind of trying to pair off of the opponent so like i don't know what i'm going to do for oklahoma state this week i haven't quite nailed it down i might do a pork based dish um because i really like using pork for oklahoma for some reason i don't know why it's just there's so much other steak based you know beef dishes you can do in the big 12 um, Oklahoma seems to scream pork for me. I, I really don't have a good reason other than, you know, you like bologna smoked. It's weird. Um, in Oklahoma, that's apparently some weird, like I've been doing all this research as we moved in and it was like the weirdest thing that I found out, but it's really good. I will say. Um, so yeah, you can follow me there at smokingmusket.com. We, um, are trying to keep it as real as possible. I think that's the best way to describe our social media presence and our online presence. Um, but you can follow us all there and uh, shout out to our head honcho, Mike Miller, who has been really enjoying his interaction with West Virginia fans during the uh, announcements that we have to make to the university about not having fans and stands and other COVID precautions that somehow become our fault. So shout out to him. You guys do not hold back on your Twitter account. It is uh, <laughs> it is fun. It is saucy. It is spicy. Also, the uh, the relationship that you guys have with Home Field Apparel is a joy to watch. And I, as both a as a what? both a Home Field Apparel fan 
and someone who has them as a sponsor on my show, am eagerly awaiting to find out that there's a West Virginia Big New Saturday coming. I don't know if there is anytime soon. Connor has yet to tell me, so I keep waiting to be like, hey, yeah, hey, you got Missouri coming. There's also yeah. another one that's I saw that one. huge, but um, yes, I have all I, the big, I, will I shout don't, out I don't need as well. Oh, yeah, <laughs> their stuff is great. Oh, it's so good. It's I bought I got my Iowa State shirt. Yes, I bought an Iowa State shirt. I don't care. It's awesome. Uh, and I got one for Slippery Rock because how can I not buy a T-shirt of a school's old classic logo of a rock waving a flag yep. wearing a 1950s fur pimp coat? I I need to buy a Slippery Rock shirt because I've actually like been to Slippery Rock University. Oh, it's a really? really cool little town. Yeah, I um. So one of my good friends actually. So when I was at West Virginia, um. I went up to Pittsburgh a lot to play volleyball. I was there for grad school. So like had a little bit more free time and uh, trying to, you know, expand my horizons a little bit. So I was, I would travel up to Pittsburgh a lot to play volleyball. And one of my best friends there uh, was a slippery rock grad. And so we went up to his university to play a volleyball tournament, like an alumni volleyball tournament. It was a really cool little town. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was, um, it was a decent little day trip. It was cool. Okay. He is aware well, of the home field apparel slippery rock collection though. He is how aware can you of it. Not I know be. that. Like how could you how could you be alone in that school and not know? Like I don't like unless you're just old it's and like what's the internet? Um oh yeah, it is. I don't know. <laughs> when Michigan started saying their scores it, you know, well, that was kind of a thing. But yeah, home field apparel. It's the biggest thing that's happened to them since Michigan started caring about them back in the sixties. But other than that. Um, Bart, this has been a lot of fun. Did not plan on a home field apparel plug, but we just did. And uh, I need to try your coffee company too. You do need to try. I don't know if you can plug that here, but I'm, I'm. I mean, I can plug whatever good? I want. Oh no, it's fantastic. I guess like, that's true. <laughs> I have uh, my rule for. I'm talking about my other show. I don't care. My rule for advertisers has always been that I want to bring people on that have stuff I actually want to or like to use. Like I'm not. All right, try the new uh, crotch razor that every sports podcast has been using because they keep advertising all over sports for guys, and I'm like, I don't want to. No thanks. That has been um, rated not very well. Yeah, that's because you have lots of money and put it everywhere it doesn't mean people actually care about it. They're just paying you to put on their show. Um, I'm like, yes, I love coffee. It's really good coffee. It's called Lazy Fair Coffee, L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R uh, Coffee. Um, it's really good. So yeah, I'm enjoying having them as an advertiser and I'm enjoying having Homefield Apparel as an advertiser because comfy shirts I want to wear, a cup of coffee I want to drink. It sounds good to me. And yes, I do enjoy my own discounts. Yeah, that's... I think you should. I absolutely think you should. <laughs> well, at least, I mean, are you still plugging ESPN Plus like every five minutes no. on your, like you did no. last year? Or is no. that, okay, that was, that, I was that like, I can talk up like, ESPN Plus too. But I'll see. That lasted for like <laughs> a month and I did it. I mean, Oklahoma State was on ESPN Plus. I still have it. Like, how do you, else am I going to watch all the soccer matches? Like, duh. duh. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for baseball. Like, yeah. I know it's not the best service in the world, but I'm still going to use it. You know, most internet Listen, services. Listen, soccer fans right now are pissed at Peacock. Uh, so they will gladly take ESPN. Oh, don't even get me started on NBC Sports app that blocks out, that used to help me have all the matches and now wants me to pay out the nose to be able to make sure I can watch Man City every weekend. But, you know, whatever. And then CBS, FCBS, who makes you pay to watch you? 
a cable subscription doesn't count for CBS All Access, which means live CBS stuff you have to pay an extra five dollars a month for. Yep. And at a certain point, I'm not paying for everything. I'm I'm not. So I will yep. take my Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus bundle and say thank you. Well, and you have new Mandalorian coming out and all that stuff. Oh, anyway, we, yes. we've gone like way down the rails. What else do we need to plug? I mean, I feel like that's where we're at. Right uh, now. Uh, I switched my show to Anchor, so you can. No, I'm okay. All right. Uh, is uh, Pippa into? Is she into Star Wars? Does she do Mandalorian? Because I know nine, some people. She's were 19 with her kids. months old. She she I mean, watches Sesame Street. A, she watches Daniel Tiger, and we watch Bluey. <laughs> That's the extent, and I'm getting her to be able to watch sports sports center, but she can't sit and watch it because she's a 19 month old who loves to run. Like, come on, yeah, that's fair. So no, Let her run. She doesn't watch. She does not watch Star Wars right now. I'll get her into it. Don't. I've got plenty of time. Uh, all right, this has gone okay. way too long. With way too many <laughs> topics. Bart, again, enjoy the games this weekend, buddy, and uh, I'll talk to you on my show here pretty soon. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. So football isn't the only game where you're going to see Oklahoma State and West Virginia facing off in Stillwater this weekend. Those two teams will also be meeting on the pitch. We got Oklahoma State versus West Virginia soccer this Friday night. The matchup of the only two 2-0 teams in the Big 12 for a variety of reasons. Some because some teams haven't played two matches, but it's the only two that's played two and it's 2-0, so that's fine. Uh, West Virginia, obviously a, a consistent powerhouse in the Big 12. They won it, I don't know how many times. So this is a big, big match. Very excited to have our good friend Anna Beffer, former Oklahoma State soccer star and current Oklahoma State soccer color commentator. If you watch the matches on ESPN Plus like I do, Anna, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. It's fun to, always fun to talk soccer and Cowgirls off to a good start. So hopefully finish that or continue that streak this weekend. Yeah, so let's start there. The Cowgirls are 2-0. Uh, had a, a weird week one. We'll talk about it. Oklahoma State was supposed to open the season with Bedlam. That match got postponed because of, of COVID numbers related to Oklahoma. Conveniently, Texas Tech and West Virginia had also had their match postponed. So OSU and, and Kansas State, or Texas Tech and Kansas State. So Kansas State and Oklahoma State quickly uh, put together a, a move their match up to that Saturday. And uh, Cowgirls victorious 3-0 over Kansas State on that opening weekend. That was... Uh, uh, forgive me, I forget who at the Ocala put the article together. They did a fantastic job. But I mean, to be able to turn around that quickly and not have uh, not have Bedlam, but end up going to Manhattan instead of Norman, and then to pull off a 3-0 win. I know Kansas State's not great, but that was a, it was a nice way to open the season for the Cowgirls. Yeah, no, it was. And I, I actually, I, I talked to Colin and Karen uh, last week about that. And just, they were so excited to just get a game in. And they credited the big 12 administration to working tirelessly to make sure that the girls got a game in. And we we're, I was, you know, selfishly excited to watch them play. And I can't imagine as a player, just the anticipation of just the uncertainty of it all and thinking you're, you're about to play Bedlam. And then all of a sudden it gets, you know, postponed and just the mental aspect of that. But yeah, to go up there kind of on a whim and play at Kansas and, you know, uh, Kansas state still a newer program, but there's really no easy game in the big 12. So to start off, you know, with a 3-0 victory is huge and getting a couple goals in the first few minutes. And um, you never imagine that happening in any Big 12 matchup. So to have that be your first game and kind of set the standard for them was huge and um, kind of get, get some confidence going and get game fitness back and sort out a few things. So they looked good. And they, um, you know, at Iowa State last weekend too, 
um, coming out with a victory there. So I'm excited for them. They've, they've shown well so far. Yeah, I would say a little bit of, uh, of a much closer match, open home play in Stillwater with a 2-1 win, but Iowa State went up 1-0, uh, and I wish she was able to respond with a, with a couple of, of goals in the back half of the game to, to get that victory. I mean, Iowa State and Kansas State were both picked preseason to finish last, so it's it's not exactly what you would like to see in Week 2. I, look, I watch enough soccer. It's weird. Um, things like this happen all the time. Is there any reason to be concerned about the Cowgirls after that match, or is it just one of those close matches where you're just happy to get away with the W? See, and I mean, soccer, it's a weird, it's a weird game. Sometimes, you know, things happen. And in my opinion, OSU, they were getting in good areas. They, they had good opportunities. They had a couple of breakdowns um, and credit Iowa state. They so far have shown really well this year. They played, they started out, playing West Virginia their first game of the season lost 2-0 but they were in that game um you know they aren't rolling over and they have a new coach and so it was it was a toe-to-toe match for a little bit but good teams find a way to win and I think Oklahoma State did a really great job and you know in the final in the final hour Gracie Oakham comes up big and tense moment and she capitalizes and sometimes you just have to grind out games and I think that's something at least I know I heard in the locker room with Colin is it's not always pretty but if you can find a way to win, good teams make it happen. And um, I think with the the caliber of players that OSU has, Iowa State watching that didn't really concern me. I mean, they've spent a lot of time going more direct over the top with the athleticism that they have. And I think that this weekend will be a big test for them because West Virginia is very athletic. They're really organized in the back. And, you know, with Kansas State and Iowa State starting out, It's a a good way to start out the the season, but West Virginia ranked number four right now will be a a huge test. Yeah, look, West Virginia has been essentially the power in the Big 12 since since they showed up. I mean, they've won Mm -hmm. what? Regular season, they won the title in 13, 14, or is it the tournament? Point is this. West Virginia has been fantastic since they got here. Um, They had a dip last season. But but it seems like they've bounced back pretty good. Look, preseason polls be damned. Uh, but they were picked to finish fourth. I think they probably end up finishing higher than that. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you? What do you see in this match coming up here on on Friday night between the two teams that are currently in leading the Big Twelve? Yeah, I think for for both teams too, because West Virginia starting out with um, Iowa State and Kansas State also. So both teams, it's going to be a test for both teams. And West Virginia really organized in the back. Their athleticism, they like to, they're comfortable with the ball. They like to take care of the ball. Um, Both teams like to play possession. I will say Oklahoma State in the past couple of games has kind of gotten away with being able to play the ball over the top. You know, players like Gabriella Coleman with the speed that she has and the athleticism of the Oklahoma State forwards, they've been able to find ways to get in behind defenses and something with West Virginia that I think will kind of force them to get creative and find other ways to penetrate that back line because West Virginia is very organized. Um, they are comfortable playing out of the back and it'll be something new that Oklahoma state hasn't seen yet. Um, so they might have to get creative. So I'm curious to see um, how Colin Carmichael, you know, organizes his team, but with players like Coleman and Yoakum and Dow and just the creativity that Oklahoma state has, I'm, I'm confident. I think they'll come out strong and, um, you know, they have to step up. This is, you know, big first test. And with only, regular season this year every game is basically a championship game at this point so i know they'll they'll treat it as such yeah look 
since West Virginia joined the Big 12, Oklahoma State is 1-9 and nine against them. Last year, 2-1 win in Morgantown was the Cowgirls' first win over West Virginia in Big 12 since since the Mountaineers joined the conference. So, look, mm-hmm. OSU does not have a history of success against West Virginia these past decade. Um, so this is this is a big match. And again, I, look, I know West Virginia's picked to finish fourth, but this is a, a I think that was based a little bit off of the how they looked last season. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big match. I think this is a match you can look at and say that we could already be seeing a deciding match on who wins the Big Twelve regular season in week three, just here in Stillwater on Friday. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, if I if I know Colin what the way that he was with us, they don't even pay attention to those rankings. All of those girls on that team know how big this game is and how good West Virginia is and the respect they give them, give them. But I mean, they also, at the same time, they have confidence that they're equipped and ready. And I think the momentum from last year, obviously with the, with the success that they had and beating West Virginia at Morgantown is huge. So that group of girls know what it takes to beat West Virginia. You've done it before. You have a lot of experienced players on the Oklahoma state squad this year. And I mean, it, it might just come down to that level of experience and, just the mental side of it too, with motivating players like, you know, Grace Yoakum getting girls fired up and the veteran status of the Kim Rodriguez at the back and just um, having those elements will be really important. And those players, everyone needs to have a good game this weekend. So I do want to talk about the rest of the season. Look, we don't know how many matches are going to get played. We're, we're in the third week of the season for soccer and we have already had four matches delayed. Obviously, the Bedlam match was delayed in week one. So, too, week one was Kansas State-Texas Tech. That's why OSU and Kansas State were able to, to, to have basically move that game up. Uh, last week, Oklahoma-Kansas was postponed. It's, OU hasn't literally hasn't played a match yet. Uh, they're hoping to this weekend against Texas. But now TCU-Kansas State has been postponed for this week. So, it seems like every game is is essentially a luxury that you're able to play. You and I were talking before we got on here, and I, I've been curious, and I, I haven't had a chance to ask Coach Carmichael about how the team and he are handling the fact that there is no NCAA tournament this year. There's no postseason. Maybe they'll try and do it in the spring, but I just don't see that happening. So this is it. You're, you always strive to win the Big 12. I understand that. That's I'm not trying to say you're not, but it's one last opportunity for a championship this year. Instead of three, you've got two. You've got the regular season and the tournament, assuming the tournament happens. Like how how do you think the team is kind of handling that? And does that put more pressure on on every match? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think it definitely adds that extra kind of element of pressure. But I talked to Colin just kind of offline and catching up with him and it almost made them kind of remember this sounds kind of cheesy and cliche, but why they play. I mean, it was taken away for so long. And now he says anytime they get a chance to play, they're just excited. The, the obviously the grind is still there and you make so many sacrifices for a season and to be ready and fit and healthy and um, just supporting your teammates. But especially this season, just each game is so precious and having the opportunity to go out there and, you know, forget what's going on in the world or what what have you and go out there and enjoy a game with, you know, 30 or so of your best friends and try to continue to advance your season is huge. So he was just saying any chance they get, they're all excited. And the vibe is very um, happy and they're just relieved to get a game in. So as opposed to where it's easy to look, you know, down the season and think, okay, if we win this game and you know, we have a tough match up here on paper, we should win this game and then we'll end up here. This season is very much, 
just hoping and praying that you get a game in and showing up and capitalizing when you get the opportunity. And I think so far it's been neat to see OSU able to do that in in tough environments and, you know, starting off the season, sure, with teams that on paper they should beat, but on a whim, driving up to Manhattan, not easy, especially when you haven't played a game in however long and especially didn't have an opportunity to really warm up. Um, so getting the result there and then I State, who had a good team, kind of grinding out that win. So they've, you know, they've started the season despite everything that's happening mentally, I feel like, on a really good note. And Colin was just talking about how he seems – pretty confident in the girls and they're all bought in and doing everything they can to stay healthy and just excited that they have the chance to play knowing that, you know, not every conference has this opportunity. So I wrote before the season started, once we got the new schedule and I realized that the home and aways didn't really change from normal, but Oklahoma state based off of the preseason poll really got a, a kind of a gift from the big 12. Forget the fact that they don't have to play any back-to-back road games, which is they're the only team I think, I think there's maybe Texas didn't ever get, it's been a while, but they're one of the only ones who don't have to play back-to-back road matches this season. And they get the teams picked to finish the top five along with them, Texas Tech, TCU, West Virginia, Texas, all at home. Now I realize that this season is a little bit different than normal, what with crowd sizes and such, but how big do you think that is for the Cowgirls in, in trying to win a big 12 title is and including West Virginia this weekend you know, mm-hmm. of the other top four getting to have all these all the best teams or the teams that are considered the best teams in the conference to, to come to Stillwater this year I think I think it's massive I mean and if I'm if I don't if I'm on the team and I don't have to you know travel to Morgantown and in a COVID environment and just the added stress of that and getting there and making sure your body's ready and mentally you're ready I mean, it makes a huge difference, and that's why, you know, really in any sport, it's tough to travel away and play on the road and get points on the road, and especially in an environment like this, it just adds just an extra level of, you know, difficulty, but I think it's huge, and even the the first home game at Iowa State, I mean, everyone was, you know, it's outside, it's distance, everyone did their part, but it was still a pretty good crowd, and you could feel, you know, the fans were excited to have soccer back, and there was a buzz and the girls were, you could feel their energy and they were excited. So I think it's, it's huge that they have those teams at home and um, you know, Oklahoma state has historically, they had a great season at home last year. Um, So building off of that. And I think it makes, it makes a big difference for. So again, the match is this Friday night, Uh, Oklahoma state versus West Virginia kicks off at seven o'clock. You can catch that match on ESPN plus every Oklahoma state game will be on ESPN plus that is except for the OSU Texas game, which will be on ESPN U, but all the home matches for OSU, you can enjoy uh, the voice of Anna Beffer here as the color commentator. And I just want to say you've done a great job. Uh, I didn't watch all of the Kansas state match, but I watched quite a a bit of it. You were not on that one, but you were on the Iowa State match. I got to watch a lot of that. You did a great job. Uh, you've been doing a great job with the Cowgirls so far. How much fun is it for you to just be able to to have soccer and, and be able to be there watching these matches and talking about them? Well, thank you. It's it's super fun. I um, I mean, I kind of really lucked into this, and thank you, Karen and OSU for kind of just taking a chance on me and letting me run with it. But it's so fun to stay involved in. Um, I mean, I miss soccer every day and, you know, playing at OSU was some of the best memories of my life. And I grew up, you know, loving the game. So it's a fun way to 
stay involved and keep in touch with the program. And it's been really fun to watch the girls. And just like everyone, I was anxiously waiting for sports to come back. And so I'm kind of in the same, I mean, obviously not playing wise in the same boat, but just anxiously hoping that every game happens because it's so much fun to get back out there and watch the girls have success. And I love it. It's a, a great way to stay involved. And I mean, I don't, I don't have to run anymore. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you can yeah. also catch Anna as the uh, color commentator for FC Tulsa matches, which you can see a lot of those on ESPN plus as well. And I appreciate your time. This is great. I can't wait to have you back on again as the season continues. Um, Really hoping we find out that Bedlam will be rescheduled at some point. Need to have that. Can't not have Bedlam soccer. Just can't. It's just too big of a thing. Uh, and Oklahoma State dominates in it, so it's always nice. I'm really hoping we find out when that's going to be soon. I know. I know. We have to make that happen. I was I was bummed like everyone else. But hopefully, I mean, credit to the Big 12. They've, they've worked their way around it and made made things happen. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get another Bedlam victory this season. <laughs> Anna, again, thanks for your time. Appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to to hearing you uh, covering the match this Friday. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it.